0: Hello, and welcome back to the Red Sector GP podcast. I'm your host, Bunner GP, and you can follow me at Bunner GP underscore on Twitter or at Bunner GP on Instagram. Now, today we are previewing the 2023 season, but with a twist, I am joined by a first. Actually, we have a, a guest to make his a hat trick of appearances. I am rejoined with the wonderful Eddie O'Shea. So, Eddie, how are you doing today?
1: I'm great, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm very good. And how are you looking forward, or should I say, how much are you looking forward to getting underway for
1: 2023? Uh, Obviously, it's been a massive break for me since I last did a race um, with June because of uh, all the problems with my leg. But uh, I'm I'm ecstatic to to get myself on the plane and head to Portugal for the test. Yeah, I mean, quickly, before we get into
0: preview in 2023, I think that's a good like starting point is to go back and just briefly touch on, like, to people that are listening that might not know what happened at the end of last year. Do you want to talk about the injury and sort of the recovery of that and how that's been?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, in June last year, uh, just after my podium at GP, um I got kicked off a mountain bike and um, the handlebar crushed my femoral artery. And I had to have um, two major surgeries on it to take a vein from my right calf and bypass my artery, in my left leg. Um, So basically take the vein and then stick it where my artery should be. But as you can imagine, veins aren't as thick as arteries. So there's still uh, not enough blood that can get through into into my leg, but there's definitely more. Um, And uh, two weeks ago on Thursday, I had another surgery. Um, which opened up my vein with a little balloon, which stretched the vein a little bit more to let more blood through. Uh, so other than that, um, I'm ready to go. So it's been a long time coming, but I'm finally ready to get myself back on a bike.
0: Yeah, sorry if anyone's a little bit squeamish hearing that. That was um, <laughs> wasn't quite the uh, detailed explanation I was expecting. But I'm all for it because actually, you know, I it's sort of one of those things where it can sort of be put out as like leg injury or like you know hand injury and it's like okay you know it will be back in a few weeks and when it's as complex as that sort of puts it into perspective of like were you were you like were you in a panic at, any, at all or were you you know where, where was your mind at during that was it was it told to you straight away that everything was going to be pretty
1: honky dory or was there a bit of a panic initially there was definitely definitely a panic at some points um after my first major surgery and there was like nowhere near enough blood getting to my legs still so they had to do another one um and they found a bigger vein so they used originally they used a vein that was just a, a regular vein and then they found the biggest vein they could find to to change the little vein they originally put in um yeah. and even after that there still wasn't a great amount of blood supply um and even now I've, I've been told I'll, I'll probably never be 100% ever again. The chances of me running, like being able to run 5 or 10K is, is very unlikely because th- there's just, in running, there's no brakes. Obviously, with a motorbike, you change gear, you'll have a bit of pain, but then you go down the straight, you have a rest, the blood will get back. Mm. But with running, there's just no, no stopping. So I'll probably never be able to run again. I'll never be able to cycle as well as I could. But um, yeah, it's, there was definitely a panic at some point um to see what they could do and even if if it, if i go to the test and it's not it's not amazing if if i can't um fight for wins because of the the problem there's always another there's always another option um with another surgery so it's it's never over but it's yeah it was definitely scary at some points and
0: as of right now do you feel like that's something that are you going into the test, which is for anyone, uh, you know, you, you're, you're testing with junior GP? Is it the junior test first, isn't it? Or not no, no, Bulls? no. It's,
1: it's, it's the Red Bull test uh, sorry yeah, Portland, yeah now,
0: next week. Yeah, so you've got the Portimao test um, next week. Are you going into that already in the back of your mind thinking, let's see how the leg gets on? Or are you, you know, fully focused as, as you are normally? Because I can only imagine it is something that even if it is – Put to the back of your mind it is still
1: there surely um yeah so the the thought is def- definitely there but i've i've rode a few bikes since the surgery i've rode a um i don't know if you've seen but i rode like a red bull uh 125 yeah, it, it was it was so nice um and and that felt pretty fine um i've done a, a bit of trials riding and it all felt it all felt pretty good and pretty strong so it was you could definitely still feel it there was definitely it wasn't a hundred percent, but it's 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 not hindering me at uh, the minute. But we'll we'll see how it goes because obviously the the gear selector is a lot lighter on a one two five compared to a motor three. So we'll have to see how it goes. But I'm I'm pretty confident that that this last surgery has worked pretty well.
0: That's good. And again, moving on moves us on, shall I say, to the next point with Red Bull rookies. You're now moving into your third year with Red Bull rookies. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, my third year. And what what are your goals this year going into red bull
1: um it it would be it would be pretty silly not to go for the championship uh, obviously I'm, I'm i'm aiming for gold in both in both um CV and in rookies i don't feel personally there is um a very a very high like threat in rookies there's last year it was it was pretty obvious to most of the grid that roweda was Going to take the championship after the first test and round one, that it was just incredible. But this year, you know, there's there's a few people that uh, you could put your money on, but I feel like there's not not a definite threat. So um, yeah, obviously, I'll, I'll be I'll be going for for gold in in both championships. But um, we've got a rider coming down from Moto three in Cev, which I believe is Bartolini. Yeah, um, which obviously he'll he he'll be the, the the biggest threat in tv I'd, I'd imagine obviously he's with um he's with the uh, what team is he's it with, the mta took, team? He's took, no he's with raiders raiders ride monlau oh with, he's, yeah monlau yeah Mon-Lao. yeah so he's with one of the best teams and obviously he's had a year of world championships so he'll definitely be the one to keep an eye out on but um no I, I don't feel like there's there's incredible threats. so yeah i'd like to i'd like to bring him the Number one, plate, please. <laughs> well, I'm
0: certainly hoping for that. And, you know, with it being your third year and everything, it's, you've got, you know, the ball is in your court in the sense of the experience that you've had. And, you know, you've you've had some great results in GP and in Red Bull rookies. And, you know, like I'm assuming everybody would say the same thing in that injuries are, are a part of the sport. But I think with the sort of time of um, recovery that you've had, it's given you a lot of time i can only imagine to sort of get your mindset in the right place as well as you physically to be all guns blazing for this year do you do you still have that mindset of again not to bring it back to the injury but are you th- there's nothing holding you back you you know you're 100% mentally physically going into 2023
1: yeah um 100% my my mentality is is on uh, getting the best out of it can out of both of my bikes and obviously i have myself also but um i don't this is obviously my third year, but what a lot of people don't take into consideration is I think I'm the second or third youngest on the grid mm. um, because the age limits So I've been one of the youngest. So in my first year in 2021, I was the youngest on the grid at 14 and there was no one else in it. Um, and then last year, the age limit went up to 15 and now this year it's 16. And I think I'm, I'm either the youngest, second youngest or third youngest. So, um, but that doesn't really play a part now because obviously at sixteen, you're just as you're just as big as the eighteen-year-olds. Obviously, as a Brit, I'm I'm not that tall. Obviously, I go to school and I'm one of the shortest in school. But when you go to when you go to a racetrack, all these um, all these other kids that you're racing against they're just tiny, and you you feel like an absolute giant compared to them. But yeah, so you wouldn't you wouldn't put me down as one of the youngest. But yeah, it it is what it is. Yeah and I'd completely agree with you in the
0: sense of it you know it's not something to like fall back on as like an excuse or anything but you are still 16 years old and to have a year at 14 how how was that for for your first year at 14 years old cuz like that that must have been incredibly exciting but quite daunting at the same time when you realize that you are 14 in a pool of like you've said just now, typically 16, 17, 18, even maybe a little bit older at a push. You know, at 14, yeah. that's quite daunting. So how how did you find it? And how do you think that's sort of affected you positively, negatively to now? Like what what have you brought with you now from that first year, do you think?
1: So in 2021, when I was 14, um, I after the test, uh, to be fair, in the test, I was only seven tenths off mario and obviously mario was was a fast kid uh when in in my first year so I, f- I felt pretty good um i felt i felt pretty confident going into the year but then just the the i don't even know the the aggression from all the riders and and everything and there was a few obviously my teammate tactical and he was 20 at the time and he's he's now 22 or 20, uh, 23 mm-hmm. i'm not too sure so it was just it was so i mean literally thrown in the deep end Going from yeah. British Talent Cup to not even winning a race in British Talent Cup to racing against some of the best kids in the world. It was it was unreal. Um and at the time I was wishing that um I was in ETC. Um but obviously in hindsight it's, it it all worked out because in my second year it was such a such a difference in I, I I grew a lot, I gained a lot of weight, um well not a lot of weight, but more weight. So there was no weight on the bike. Um, and it, it was all just a, it all sort of fell into place and I feel like if I did a year in ETC it, I would have I would have had to have a, a, a learning year on the motor 3 which I feel like 2021 there was no there was not much pressure on me uh, obviously at, at such a young age but yeah. when when I wasn't performing at all and I was with one of the best teams it was it, it didn't look great but I feel like it's
0: like a flip of a coin, isn't it? In the sense of, I think that's kind of what I was trying to allude to. In the sense of, you're 14, so it's like, oh, it's great, you know. He's only he's only a kid. That's better that sort of got labelled a lot of the time. It's like he's only a kid. He's only 14. But then when you don't perform, it's like, so why have we got a 14 year old? Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure you must have felt that switch at times.
1: Yeah, there was definitely definitely that. But awesome, Um, uh, an old team member. Um, do you know Yuki Kuni The uh, he yeah, raced a yeah. Moto3 for a few years. He joined junior talent team at fourteen, and he got a podium when he was fourteen. Um, obviously, Fabio Fabio won when he was fourteen. He even won when he was thirteen, did he not? I think he he won the championship. I not want to get this wrong, but he, a he
0: sort of like I'm, I could be wrong in saying this. I think he wild carded or something like the year, the tail end of the year before he first entered. If that's not right. I think the first week that he did was like split in half, a little bit like Lorenzo's first week in 125 yeah. years ago, where like he signed on like the Saturday or something. And I think he got like second a couple of times, then won most of the races. And then the year after that, he won every race apart from, one, yeah. I think it was, it came second, yeah. something like that. Just dominated it. Yeah, that was just, that. that was at the time. You could have never have watched a singular junior category race, but you knew about him. Do you know what I mean? Like, everyone had yeah. heard whispers about this kid that was like, oh my God, this is the best thing to ever come out of any junior championship ever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, re- I do remember him being like, you know, so it's so weird to think now that like he had that spell where people started to sort of like forget about him when he got into Motor 2. And now people know him as, like, Fabio as one of the best riders, if not the best rider in the world at the minute. Yeah. And back then, it was, yeah, it was pretty insane at 14. So, did you get comparisons to, not, it's quite hard to compare to winning every race, but um, with, like, Yuki Kuni and whatnot, did you get Yeah, any so of-
1: I never I never got compared to Fabio, because obviously that was, he's he's a freak of nature, Fabio, but I, I there was a lot of comparisons to Yuki. Obviously, there was the excuse of me being young and 14, but then when you compared my day to to Yuki Cuny's, it was uh there, there there is no excuse really um but even now I'm one of the most experienced on the grid obviously with 3 years not many people get 3 years in the in the junior gp so I'm extremely grateful f- for for this opportunity but um yeah there's definitely no excuse for saying I'm 16 cuz I'm just as big I'm, I've had a lot of experience in the championship now so that there is no excuse really if I'm not if I'm not winning, it's I'm not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, going into 2023
0: then, is there any round, whether it be Red Bull or whether it be Junior GP, is there any round that you sort of look at and go, out of the three or two years, if you like, out of the two years that you've had prior, you go, yeah, there I'm I'm going to be... If I'm not, you know, on the, on the top of the box, I've got a big podium guarantee. I mean, obviously, again, you... You've said that you're gonna be looking at it from a point of view of you wanna bring back the number one plate of course. But with two years of experience, there must be some favourites that you straight away, before you've even flown out, you think this weekend is for me. Do you know what I mean? I'm gonna this is one of my weekends, I'm gonna be strong no matter what,
1: rain or shine. Um obviously I'd l- my favourite track that um I was so confident I was going to get a podium at this year was Saxon Ring. It was my favourite cool. track. I I love how it flows. I I like my left-handers, and obviously Saxon Ring is just left, left, left. So that was that was my strong point, really, Saxon Ring. But um, it's not on the calendar this year, so yeah. I, I almost broke down in tears when I found that out. Um, sure. But obviously, Jerez uh, having a podium last year, um, I feel like it would be strange to not not repeat that but i'm i'm typically not a fan of her i'm normally not not very quick there but um i don't really know what happened in that race i just got my head down and something happened i just yeah i mean two points to catch it, the it's,
0: yeah it's like her i remember you saying is one of those tracks where everyone's quick aren't they because everyone's done her a million times yeah but Then another thing with it was is like i remember watching that race and it was I, I and I'm not doubting your talent or your ability at all, but I almost questioned how or where you found the pace to sort of just keep edging towards that group in getting that podium because you did sort of just come out of nowhere, didn't you? Really, watching it back, like a hundred percent. If you're eight laps away from that race, and I showed it to a neutral and said, "You know, take your pick," I don't know many people that would pick you out and go, "He's going <laughs> to and and get through." Do you know what I mean? Because Again, yeah. ref, because of the nature of the track, because of the nature of the class that you're in, for you to edge away from a group and catch a group and get a podium is a lot harder than what it probably sounds to a to a neutral that may not have watched a lot of racing around her because of how close it is, because of how quick everyone is around her ref. So, yeah, I think it's... Definitely a track I can see. If you do what you did last time at a ref, then there's probably a, a good result there for you. But um, Portimao, obviously you've got the test coming up in Red Bull for Portimao. Thoughts on Portimao? Are you are you strong there? Do you do you like the track? Um, it's a
1: bit like Donington, and it's not. I'm not extremely bogey track, but I wouldn't say I'm I'm amazing there. Um, I've never really done much there but obviously with the test with the and then race one straight after it everyone's sort of warm if if you ride a track a week before everyone's the the races in race one it always is Is if you're a track a week before everyone is already they know their breaking points they know everything that yeah. they need to know about the track so the races are always so good for spectators um on on a, a race that's back to back uh, after riding that track because it's always so close, everyone knows the limits of everywhere, so um, I don't think it would be a case of um, fastest lap times at Portimao it would just be a case of a dogfight really it would just be whoever's brave mm. enough to come out the, the last corner first And is there anything in particular about Portimao that like you say, it's not
0: like a bogey track but is is there something that stands out or is it just is it just the nature of the track
1: that you just don't quite gel with, so to speak I've never really found um as much grip as as other people there there's a uh, turn four is like everyone just sort of just goes around it but i'm just not very good around it it's like a left-hander but it's off camber so i was gonna say it feels like, really like it is
0: was... off corner. yeah yeah oh.
1: i don't know if you remember in the first the first year of port Mayor MotoGP, for moto gp which was 2021 2020 um, oh yeah tw- uh yeah, because we went oh, there yeah. during COVID, didn't we, twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2020. So, um, the second year, um, when <laughs> I was there, Takanakagami, on like his third lap of the weekend, just sent it to the moon at Turn 4. Oh, um, yeah, I do remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's it's just such a weird corner because it's off camber, and there's, obviously, it goes up and down a lot. I'm oh. just, it's not, there's so many blind corners. That's That's another thing. There's so many. Yeah, that is true. I mean, it it was like that incident that we had with
0: Pecco. I don't even remember that in qualifying, where coming down, let me let me just bear this of right. Turn four, five, six, seven, eight. It would been going as you go over the hill after turn eight down uh-huh. to turn nine. The uh-huh. the the yellow flag was being displayed on the right, and they yeah, put it yeah. out at the last second, and then Pecco was like, "How on earth are you expecting me to see that?" Because like everyone said, I think Neil Hodgson said it, and a load of other ex-riders that were sort of doing punditry that weekend were sort of saying, "No rider in the world is going over that crest, down into nine, and looking over to the right to see a yellow flag." Yeah. Like, like, and you know, you could you could completely understand the argument, but um, yeah, there's a lot of lot of black. It's one of them, isn't it? I think if someone like Miguel Oliveira who everyone will go oh yeah because it's his home track but i know he's done a lot of training on that track and a lot of laps and a lot of races in cars and uh super sport races he's done outside of gp to the point where like he's not going over those crests looking for his line it's just it's just nature to him do you know what i mean like he's done so many laps to a point where to him it is just fine tuning x y and z but it's um, yeah. I don't know what it is about turn four at Portimao because I remember when F1 went there for the first time, and not to get too into to the car side or anything, but I remember every driver's first point was turn four. Like the the first yeah. thing they made, you know, on the on the commentary or um, through the radio, sorry, was turn four. It's it's just it's either too understeery, too oversteery, or there's no grip, or they could yeah. never fine tune the car for the for the track. And it'd be all right through turn four. Yeah, so it's um, yeah, it's it's sort of a weird one. This there's a lot of corners like that that are quite easy on TV to look past and go, oh yeah, it's a nice corner or whatever. Or it might not even be a yeah. standout corner. And the corner that comes to mind with me with that is is the last corner at Sepang. Now, obviously, you've not raced at Sepang, mm-hmm. but it's it's like that. You know what I mean, don't you? I mean the final. Yeah, head. yeah. The, the, nobody so hits the actual apex, does it? Yeah. No, it just like. Everyone goes in on the last corner, on the last lap, six, seven different lines. Yeah. And I've never to this day understood which line works the best ever. Yeah. Again, I'm watching from the TV, but because it's become such a point to be like, everyone talks about this last corner. I've never seen someone find a quick line and then everyone go, I'm taking his line. It's like everyone makes their mind up each lap and then just sends it. It's... It's um yeah, and I I think that's a little bit like Turn Four in the sense of you know it, it looks like an obvious line, but if someone sends it up the inside of you, do you you know do you try and cut back or do you just try and run it around? Because it it almost feels like it should come back on itself a lot more, but it actually doesn't. I, I get the sense at, at Turn Four at I don't and if that's right, but um yeah, it's it's definitely not an easy track,
1: is it? No, it's definitely not an easy track. I feel like every corner isn't a normal corner to say. Yeah. There's no, there's no corners that are easy. Like you, you don't have to think about it. You have to think about every corner. And maybe at, the,
0: at a push, turn two, at a push, maybe
1: the hairpin or the fast
0: right, fast right after the dip of yeah, the yeah, dip, turn yeah, one, yeah, that yeah, that fast right is probably the only corner I can think of that's like yeah, that's all right. Do
1: you know what I mean? Yeah, that's it's normal. just. But that's not uh, it, it's flat out on a rookie bike, so yeah, it's not yeah. it's not really yeah, that's what uh, I a, a corner, but yeah. yeah. Um other than maybe turn three, but even that is you've got an uphill left after it, so mm. it's so strange.
0: And turn six and seven, you know where Jorge Martin had that huge crash. Yeah. yeah. That on a you know, on a, if you're talking like Moto two or Moto G P is that that corner is so overlooked as like a slight left, slight right, and then you know. But it it's a mean corner to try and flick through there because you have to be so far over to the left, and then you know like yeah. the speed you're carrying through the right hander before another uphill right hander is just it's just insane. So I think as a track as a whole, it is one of those tracks where I think if people were to either I, 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 a lot of people tend to like it because of the nature of the track, but. It definitely looks like one of the most difficult tracks, I and mean,
1: it's got to be the most difficult your season, surely. Uh, probably, yeah. But I've um the the pace will be the slowest at somewhere like Le Mans or Assen because we haven't we've never been there. Well, uh, we've I've been to well, we've
0: been to Assen then never before. No,
1: I haven't. No, and I don't think many of the other riders in the in rookies have because it they've they've not been on the calendar for three years. So, okay, yeah, um. But I, I, the pace shouldn't be shouldn't be too slow, and um, yeah, Portimao is one that the it will be one of the best races to watch because, like I say, we'll be all fresh from from the test. Yeah, I mean, Assen on
0: a Moto three bike is just nuts, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it's flat out from a, a large chunk of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, there's as much as you've lost Saxon Ring, which I know you're not happy about. It's um. You know, for everyone listening, the calendar is as follows. So you've got Portimao to begin with in test. Then you're racing two weeks later in Portimao. Then you've got Jerez, Le Mans, Mugello, Assen, Spielberg, and Mazzano to finish. So that's the um, the Red Bull Rookies calendar. And then we have the tests for Junior GP, otherwise known as CV. Is We have an Esseril test, a Valencia test. And then you've got Jerez, Portimao, Barcelona, Aragon, and Valencia, which seems like a short calendar which me and eddie were talking about before recording but obviously they do two races at each so that's a 10 effectively 10 round if you like or 10 race championship um yeah so it sort of surprises me that you test at esteril but you don't race there in cv or junior gp
1: yeah i know it's it is strange because obviously um we we normally um we normally i've never done a test there because normally with junior talent team because um the rookies normally starts later because MotoGP gp normally oh. starts at qatar but now it starts at portimao so we're also there earlier um what normally happens is um we have the rookies test and then the Estoril test is the next weekend uh, the next week yeah. sorry and because uh, um a few of the the team um are the mechanics and the all the um the data guys from my junior talent team they also are in rebel rookies so they don't have enough time to get all the bikes sorted and everything sorted for junior talent team so we normally have a private test with weirdly world super sport 600 we're normally on track with them um at catalonia okay and
0: how just quickly how many of those guys girls um in your team are part of the other team or is it like for like
1: uh no, it's it's not like for like. We've got the rider coach Danny Robolta, who's the rider coach for rookies and junior talent team. Um, my personal mechanic for my bike, his name's Carlos. He is Casio Gorman's uh, helper yeah. for Rebel rookies. Um, uh, obviously Anna Espeleta. She's um part of junior talent team and rookies. Um, so she doesn't have a, a major. Uh, part of in in the garage but she's always m- at most rounds at junior talent team so there's not actually that many but um uh, there's there's enough for it to to not be ideal yeah i got you
0: um so with that just before we move on to some 2023 preview prediction type things i have a bit of a query from a uh from our, our host to you eddie Um so Elise asks, um she wants to know about your training. I'd like to know what the split is between cardio and strength slash weight training. Which is more important at the moment or in general, and how does that compare to bike training? So generally, like what what's your sort of schedule looking like and how do you balance that between cardio and strength
1: training? So um not to uh add an excuse to my leg, but i wasn't allowed to train on my leg for for a while um because of because of the surgeries um but this this winter i've been training a lot of like upper body and a lot of like uh yeah just a lot of strength in upper body um because i had three kilos of weight on my um my motor three um it's it's better to have the weight on your body than on the bike because you can't move the weight on your bike you can move um the weight on your body so I've been trying to gain the three kilos and I have done. Uh last year I was fifty one kilo, now I'm fifty-four kilo. Um and uh the but be- the best part about that is my my body fat percentage is down, but my muscle mass is up. Um uh, me and my personal trainer have been working very hard to to get bigger and heavier so that I don't have to have that weight on the bike. Um but since my last operation with the balloon to open up my vein, um I've been able to train since then pretty much was just a case of this how it is before they put a balloon in and then it's better um so i've been able to and for the past three weeks i've just been um cycling and cycling and cycling so um i've been trying to lose all this i I wasn't necessarily bulking but um i was bulking more than i what most races are but now i'm uh, my body fat is lower than it was last year but i'm also heavier so it's sort of a women's situation. Um, last year, I was doing cycling pretty much every, uh, every year, uh, every day. was going to say once a year is not uh, Every day throughout winter, but it's been, it's been so hard with my leg to be able to train, even weight training. Um, All I've been able to really do is walk. So I've been doing a lot of walking, but now I'm back cycling, which is, which is always nice. So yeah, that's it really. This winter, I've been doing a lot of strength training to get my weight up. But now I'm finally cycling again.
0: And it's sort of hard to say now because obviously it's not like a a um, temporary injury, so to speak. But do you, before the leg, were you more cardio? Would you prefer
1: cardio or are you more a, a weights guy? I much prefer um, strength training to cardio training. Me and my yeah. personal trainer um, have like a, a a schedule. We We put a plan together um of, of what we do in that week so it's uh but if, if i see that we're cycling i'll i'll be like but it's it's always good when it's me and him cycling but if it's just me cycling and then him just shouting at me that's never fun but um weight training is always like do you know when you wake up from weight training the next morning and you can, and you can feel pain like mm-hmm. like tightness in your arms or your chest and it feels like you've actually done something by cycling yeah. next yeah. day you just feel tired yeah
0: well i suppose yeah i mean it depends what kind of cardio you do it i mean if you if you do more running then it feels yeah. a little bit more like you've worked it considering just more so through the, like the impact yeah whereas if you're like swimming or cycling obviously there's there's less impact and it's more just like you say it's more just like strength yeah. like tired muscles you know what i mean it's yeah, yeah. like when you're doing like weight training it's a lot more like like you say you you sort of feel it everywhere yeah
1: that's um,
0: right but yeah no just a bit of an interesting point. good 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 question actually because training is something that is so mundane to you but it's quite interesting to hear different takes on like you know how other people train for particular categories and whatnot because obviously if you were to go and you know race like moto too you'd have to probably bulk up a little bit more wouldn't you especially like yeah. upper body wise um, yeah
1: and um my sister's boyfriend is max cook who's just gone into um um british superbikes with the factory kawasaki team and he trains with me and my he trains at the same gym with the same personal trainer um and he's been just bulking just getting so strong just literally just mainly focusing on strength training but he's also he's been with loughborough university to to get his to keep his fitness up as well so he's been smashing the gym to get absolutely huge (laughs) Yeah. Which for anybody that isn't from the UK, Loughborough Loughborough
0: University is kind of like a a staple, isn't it? For any athlete in the UK, really a lot of, you know, Anthony Joshua has been like training there at times and stuff. Like there's a lot of different disciplines that sort of go through Loughborough University because of its name in all sorts of sports science and training and physiotherapy and whatnot. So if you're there, then you're there to, to, to do business, so to speak. Um, So, moving on, today we are recording on the day two of the Hareth Moto3 test, and um, a pleasure to announce that Scott Ogden did go top, albeit just a test, but it's nice to see a fellow Brit doing well. We had Scott doing a 146.090, which, as Eddie will back me up, more so me, not well, I won't be backing Eddie up because I haven't raced around earth, but Eddie
1: will back me up, <laughs> saying
0: that is a pretty good lap time, don't you think, Eddie?
1: Yeah, especially after how wet the track was yesterday. Um, yes, obviously, support. Scott's done. Scott's done an amazing job to top the test, uh, and I know the the Vision Track team last year was. Um, it, it wasn't the strongest team, but obviously it was a, it was the first year in the World Championship or in a motor three at all. So I think they did an amazing job of what they did anyway but obviously this year they've they've upped the game massively obviously because even scott did well yesterday also did he not was he in the top 15 um i think yeah i think he was in the top 15 i think it was around 13th ish yeah I to guess if memory serves right yeah obviously today he's, he's gone first so he's definitely got something something up his sleeve to to, to pull it out of the bag so yeah fair play to scott
0: yeah, and um, for anyone listening that didn't see the news yesterday, we had chew top yesterday, but it was, as Eddie said, quite damp, mixed conditions. There it wasn't much to take from it. There was a lot of people doing four or five laps, you know, having a run out and then sort of thinking better of it, which is, you know, you don't want to be uh, breaking anything on first day of test, but um, yeah. any... Any markers you want to put down, Eddie? On, I mean, obviously, we've got a lot of team changes to take into account. We've also got people like um, Masia, who's back at Leopard. He's sitting there mm-hmm. in the top eight. You've got, mm-hmm. who else have we got? We've got Onchu, which doesn't seem mm-hmm. like a team change, but obviously he's moving on to the Io team, which is sort of a, I think it's more of a, a headline of, you know, he, he he's not there to get a podium now he's, he's there to win races you know he's gone yeah. he's gone to the io team to to win a championship effectively yeah. is there anybody there from the second day of testing that you really do have a lot of sort of favoritism for winning the championship or challenging this year or just anybody in general that you've got any comments on um
1: obviously with the aggression of on uh, Onku, um with the um I don't know if you watched the race in Valencia, the last race of the season, when he was just absolutely yeah. unbelievable with, with Guevara. He definitely ended the year on a very high note. Um, so he's... he. I feel like my top three for... If I had to put money on someone to win the championship, it would be Onku, um, Suzuki. I'd probably put Suzuki, um first, and then Onku. Then probably Masia. I feel like he's been... Uh, yesterday, he was... He, was, he didn't do very well yesterday at all, did it in the test? But um, I yeah, fair, I thought they, I thought Leopold was sandbagging. I thought, I, I don't know, they weren't even they have very... Been, they
0: have done that in the past. I can't remember what year yeah. it was, but they sandbagged like mad. I think it was, I don't want to get this wrong, but I think it was Dalla Porter's championship winner year, so maybe 2019. Yeah. And they came out the test and everyone was like, I could be wrong, like, they could be wrong year, but they they definitely sandbagged a year or so of like around there. And everyone was like, "What's happened to Leopard?" And then they just came out the box at the first race and just blitzed everybody.
1: Yeah. Obviously, they've got such a strong lineup this year. Um, mm. Arguably, the strongest lineup of of the year. You reckon? Such. Um. Yeah, I'd I'd say so. I don't, I don't question. I just you know, there's, there's a lot of good lineups, aren't there? And yeah, the yeah, hundred percent. There is a lot of good lineups, but if we're talking like experience and mm. just winning races um then you'd probably put Masia in um Suzuki.
0: Yeah, I, I I really rate Suzuki, but I just I feel with the years that he's had in Moto 3, and you could argue this with Masia as well, I just feel feel they're two riders that they've they've sort of uh, if they don't do it this year, it looks not awful for Leopard, but for me if if both of those riders don't challenge for a championship, then it's time to move on. Because they've had yeah a long time in Moto three and have had really competitive rides in Moto3. So if it's not going to work now, it's never going to work because, you know, yeah. we've seen Messiah on the Leopard when it was, were they on, they were KTM, weren't they? Or something like no, that. No, they no, were, they were, no, he was they Honda, were, sorry, but then he moved to KTM, didn't he? that was Yeah, it. that's right. Because he felt that he couldn't really, they were only the
1: KTM. Yeah. Mm. Leopard were KTM for one year in 2016. Mm. Uh, Sixteen with oh yeah sixteen was it with change... yeah I
0: think it might have been sixteen the year yeah it was it was sixteen with with Fabio they won... Yeah they won with Danny riding, and then it was like oh we're changing and everyone was like why <laughs> yeah they yeah. you know, it was the first year that they've won yeah sorry that's mine but it was sixteen yeah, yeah you're right
1: and then they had a three liner lineup too they had um mm. they would have I can't now. Mia they would yeah, have yeah Fabio Fabio and... and Locatelli Locatelli that's, that's it
0: right yeah that's right which <laughs> you think about that now, you are like fucking. That's not a bad lineup at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I I would obviously have a lot of like respect and whatnot for Suzuki Mesia, but I just feel like Masia almost still gets this young up and coming staple, and I'm like, you know, he has been in the class for for since 2016. I think he first came in as a wild card, so yeah, you know, he has had six seven seasons or whatever that is on a on a moto 3 machine so you do feel like it is a great team it's got a lot of experience and obviously a great pedigree for winning races as Leopold typically do but yeah there's also like I say a lot of a lot of good other teams and lineups I think I think the IO lineups really good obviously onchu's had an injury this year I think he I think he broke his arm or his hand in I think it was around Christmas time so he's obviously just coming back from that um but I really do rate on Chu. Who was your other rider that you had again? Just remind me of your three that you picked out. Masia, Sasaki, and Suzuki, yeah, Ogun. Yeah, Sasaki is such a threat, isn't he for this year? Yeah, yeah. I've got I've got a lot of high hopes for Sasaki. Have you got any picks for Moto Two? Anyone you you sort of favouring this year? Moto Two. I really do believe Ayagora might be the man this year. Uh.
1: I'm going to say that uh, uh, Acosta will, Ooh, good won't will lose a race. Won't lose I'd, a race? Yeah, I feel like he'll be on his Red Bull rookie form. I feel like he'll just be insane. Um, Sorry, can I,
0: can I use that as a quote for, for this thing? Eddie O'Shea thinks I, Pedro
1: Acosta will not lose a race <laughs> in 2023. He might, he, he might not win a few, but he'll be on his A game big time. I, you know something, that's somebody that I...
0: I didn't forget, but it's so obvious a choice that I've sort of been like, yeah, 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 but maybe then, like, yeah, yeah Acosta's a good shout, actually. Um, a
1: really good shout. I think. um, well, you, surely, will, you, you can't be uh, many other people that you think if you think Acosta's going to be that good. <laughs> so I think Acosta will win, and then um, Arena second, Agora yeah. third. Yeah, but I feel like I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Get this on record now. Um, that Rory Skinner will do incredibly well. I think. I think he'll do well. You know, i I've been I've been leaning towards that. I, I
0: I think Rory's one of them that, like, just a bigger bike in general will. I mean, obviously, I know he's come from BSB, but like, I don't think that kind of power will phase him, and I think he's got the raw speed to match from the off. I don't think he'll take that long to bed into obviously he's had a bit of a run all right. What what rounds was he at? Was he was at Austria? Um, Austria was his
1: first and then he no Silverstone, Silverstone was his first. Yeah Silverstone and in
0: Austria wasn't it that he did at both
1: races he beat his teammate which is yeah. an incredible feat in itself. I
0: think maybe round six seven we'll see Roy Skinner top ten. Yeah a hundred percent. I'm um I'm with you on that. That's a good shout. I think I'm not I'm not 100% sure on Arenas yet though. I'm not I'm not sold on him 100%. I think I don't think Guevara and Garcia will be flying straight away. Um although I think Vivara next year 2024 I think he'll be really really good. But yeah. what, Alonso Lopez is another shout. Oh, Alonso
1: he, Lopez.
0: Him and Aldeguer are two very good riders for that. That you know what? That's a that's a phenomenal lineup isn't it when you it think really is, It really is, isn't it? Yeah. You know when you consider the bike that they're on and it's always been that bike that's like oh it's got to be you know the stars have got to align for them to do well. Those two the on that stars bike have is yeah. is a really good shout for a mm-hmm. I don't even think can you class them as a dark horse? Because he's obviously say won so. a few races I'd say so. but yeah. You know what? I, I'm gonna say early doors, There might be a bit of a whack prediction when testing I mean not off test completely, but I'll say you're swaying me with Acosta. I might go Acosta Agora Lopez. That's gonna be my prediction. Fair enough. I think I, I think like all you. of those will win races multiple races i don't think acosta's yeah 100%. not gonna win <laughs> not not gonna win a race <laughs> um but that then leads us on to the big boys in moto gp do you have any are you are you do you have it in you eddie to make a prediction of moto gp before portamao test <laughs> um
1: i'll give it i'll give it my best shot <laughs>
0: I mean, um, we can always have you on again halfway through the season and just, like, just sort of, <laughs> of bend it a little bit. If you're like, yeah, have, yeah. Brad Binder's the <laughs> one in the
1: championship and you're like, yeah, I've always said he's not going to win. Like, <laughs> um, I'm going to say that Peko won't finish in the top three. Oh, that, I'll tell you what, the, the
0: reason, not, like, the only reason, but one of the main reasons I love having you on is the fact that, like, you just say stuff that I'm like, Surely not from someone that rides. I'm like, there's no way on earth from your perspective that you actually think <laughs> yeah. that, but you actually do. Like you're not joking, are you? You actually f- that is that is yeah. not you joking
1: right now. No. I I feel like he's he's a very um not this I don't want to sound I was gonna say I can sense all, the, the hesitation. <laughs> um men, I don't think I don't think he's m- mentally um, as strong as other, he's obviously every MotoGP rider is insanely strong mentally to even get where they are and even win a championship. Mm-hmm. But in compare, I feel like Fabio will just be on his A game, he will just be getting the most out of his Yamaha as much as he can. Martin will be insane. Um, Bastinini will, will be different gravy. Um, you've got Marquez as well. well, coming back, yeah, yeah, Alex Marquez on the Ducati. Yeah, um,
0: you got good. You got good. Uh, a good feeling about Alex on the Ducati, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think he can win a race. I think he can really? get a few. Yeah, maybe get a couple of podiums. Potentially, um, obviously having the Marquez blood on a Ducati will just be. It'll be I mean, a bit of yeah. a
0: teaser, won't it, for what everyone yeah. sort of thinks will happen? Yeah,
1: a hundred percent. Um, and don't don't discount the Aprilias either. Obviously, yes, we've got Raul Fernandez. We've got Miguel Oliveira. Oh, I really, just...
0: I really do rate that lineup at RNF. Yeah, I really do rate that lineup. I, th- I, I have such a admiration for for Raúl, but for Miguel, I think he's so overlooked.
1: Yeah, I think he's so
0: overlooked. I think he's one of them riders that, I, there's not many riders I don't think on the grid that you could put on every bike and them do as an average. I genuinely think he would get one of the highest averages on all bikes if you put, you know what I mean? If you put them yeah. out and said. Right, mixed bag at uh, at Magello. Miguel's going to ride on a Ducati, Pekka's going to ride on a Honda or, you know, and everyone eventually rode on the same track and had to go on every bike. I genuinely think he would be one of the best riders on the grid for all bikes. I think he's that good. Not that that makes you the best, but in terms of his adaptive style, his actual racing style anyway, and his mentality is different gravy when it comes to like can you remember the Austria race where he his patience to sit behind Paul and, and Miller and then the last corner just nicked it in yeah. front of them that yeah. that was that was so easy for him to make a lunge five six corners back but just you knew you know in hindsight you knew that really he was expecting exactly what happened to happen yeah um, and, and obviously like you say he's... the factory guys as well it's
1: a good yeah, look for a brilliant. It really is. Yeah, and obviously um, Miguel, Miguel's absolute star performance at Portmeirion when he just well, yeah, he, I mean, no he, one he had wiped the floor, he didn't he. he? Yeah, he did. Didn't on,
0: he? on a on a bike that really got labelled and went on to be rightfully labelled a pretty poor bike. Um, mm-hmm. And that kind of brings us on to a, another point with the Aprilia. Not much has changed with the livery this year. I don't know if you've seen it. It's um, yeah. What do you think? You liking it? Um, any, any livery you do like this year? Not not much has changed, either with a lot of them. But
1: I mean, have you seen the? I know this is completely off topic, but have you seen the the bow the Boe um, with David? Munch? Have you seen the um, the new livery for that? No,
0: I haven't, I don't think quick
1: shout out to NaoMoto News. If you go on their um Instagram story, <laughs> oh, wait, I, I think, think i might have seen this. It was like oh the story's no longer available. But it was neon orange and neon yellow, I believe. Uh neon blue and neon yellow, I think. So yeah, that's that's looking very nice. Obviously I, the the Yamaha with like the sort of camouflage effect, that's that's nice. You like that. Um yeah, but I've, I genuinely think the, the nicest livery on the grid is the Red Bull KTM. It's just like it's a staple, though, isn't it? I've probably used that yeah. word like four hundred times this podcast,
0: but it is a staple. Red Bull KTM. Yeah. It just goes so well. Like, it just does.
1: Yeah. And um, Miller in his Alpine Star, head to toe. Yeah, head to on, toe, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to find this
0: livery. I might have to, I have to do some digging for this for the boe livery because even on their instagram page it's not on there so yeah it's um yeah i'll have to i'll have to find that but um like i say not many liveries have changed this season but i don't know if there's any that have have stood out to you so you think peko's not going to get in the top three which i mean it's happened before with previous champions who
1: who is your top three Gun my to your top, head
0: if you had to pick a top three,
1: my top three from MotoGP is going to be okay. Fabian, okay, that's a good, and Neyar, and I'm not gonna put three jukes in it because that is I I do in my personal opinion I think the championship it, will top three will be three Ducatis, but um I'm gonna I'm gonna. You know it's it's always good to make a wild prediction because then when when you come back to it and if you're right then it's 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 good to predict. <laughs> what you, what you're saying again. is is
0: if this this is absolutely way off you will never return to this
1: podcast ever again. <laughs> that is that's correct, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah, I'm going to say um Fabio uh who else to say? Ana? Ana
0: yeah, second.
1: And Mark
0: three different manufacturers in the top 3. Yeah. Okay, well, my my prediction at the minute, we've not made this uh, podcast yet as our full 2023 predictions, but provisionally I have got sort of similar. I have um, Fabio. I, I I literally spent so long chopping and changing between Peko and Anaya, but I have those two. I'm not sure which order yet. I've, I'm swaying more towards Peko in P2 because I think to begin with, there'll be some sort of, no, and I just you know play team yeah. game. But eventually, I think he'll he'll put his marker down. Of I don't care about Pecco. Yeah. I'm here to win races. Do you know what I mean? I think that'll because as much as he's Ducati rider last year, he they, they didn't have full control over Enea in the sense of him being in the same team. Do you know what I mean? So yes, he rides for Ducati, and obviously he's going to do what they want them to do, but. Now that they're in the same team, he knows that if Ducati say, do this, he's going to somewhat do it. But I think if Ineos starts to see a light open up and thinks, yeah, you know what, I can beat him. I think team orders will, whether they get implemented or not, I think he'll start to just ignore them and become the number one if it becomes available. So, yeah, it's... um, it's definitely a team I think everyone's looking forward to, aren't they, with the the, the Ducati guys. I think it's, yeah. it's been a team of, of Jack looking after Peko for a while. And it's going to be yeah. good to see two guys fight it out. And hopefully we'll have some uh, fireworks. Yeah, like Rossi and Lorenzo kind of yeah. feel, hasn't it? Yeah, and if it turns out to be like that, then... Oh, can you imagine if they put a wall up? They never would, would they, in modern day with social media and all like, yeah, like that they up, get for it. Imagine if they could put a wall up in between Peko and Aenea.
1: It's crazy to think they actually did that, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I actually remember when it, when it was happening, it was almost like I, I thought it was just every time. I mean, obviously, I would have been like what, like 10 when it was happening ish, but like I remember seeing it and almost thinking, like. Not like the, the picture was mirrored, but like, are they just in separate garage You know, like, yeah. is, is that wall, is he on the other side of the garage this weekend or has he been moved <laughs> to the other side? Do you know what I mean? Like, I've yeah. been able to put two and two together and I'm realising that, no, they, they, have, they have gone to the team and said, put a wall down. Like, how bad does it, you know, have you, you've surely never had anything with a teammate where you've wanted that, even if it's obviously you've never had that, but have you ever got to a point with a teammate where you've, just you just do not get on at all and you don't see face to face that you would want something like that.
1: Surely not. No, de I've never had anything anything close to me hating them so much that you want to put the wall up. Um uh, but obviously um going back to Saxon Wing last year, my, my teammate slash roommate wiped me out of second place. Um so that was a bit um How that was w- that when you got back to the uh <laughs>
0: It it was it was okay.
1: It was okay. I was because because I had so uh, uh, so the weekend before at Magello, uh, I had a puncture which took me out of the race out of a the podium. Then I finished the next day. I finished fourth, zero point zero zero one from third. So that's another podium that I missed. Then I got taken out second on the last lap. It was all just like a build-up of like why is nothing working out for me? And then um, I sort of. I not lost my head, but I'm. I'm. If someone takes me out, I'm not some normally someone that would, you know, I would just sort of get up and just say, yeah, it is what it is. It's racing, but I sort of lost lost control a bit, and I went up to him. I said, like, what, what are you doing? But then, no, we will we're fine after two hours yeah. of it. Once, once it all calmed down, um, you know, especially a track like, that you've out. said
0: that you really like
1: as well. It's yeah, yeah, more annoying, isn't it? Yeah. So but yeah I'd never I don't think I'd ever want to put a wall up (laughs) between it's
0: crazy like you say when you think back like at the absolute top level in the top team for there to be a a wall like the hardest thing for me about all that is is the team principal or like team manager whatever you know with like Lynn Jarvis or whether it be Claudio Bravio or uh, Brevio or whatever like to manage that, and you know, to not be on one side more than the other, because there's now a wall there. It must yeah. just be, yeah, unimaginable. But with that, Eddie, have you got any any other absolute headliners you want to point out? Any predictions? Give me give me a random prediction of any class that is the most Eddie O'Shea prediction you've got. What have you got? You <sighs> I, must have some a random.
1: Um... I have put you on the spot, but I know that you'll come y- out with something. Yeah, you have. Um, what well, prediction? Uh, Rwanda to win the championship. Oh,
0: I like it. I like it because I, I actually think he will be very, very, very good. I mean, I know you've said last time about like the close racing and him not being much of an elbows out guy, but I don't know. I th- I've got a good feeling about him. I think he's. I think he's. Well, as you know, he's. You know, he's not slow, is he? But no, definitely um, not slow and a new how about give me a new gp winner or a, a new winner. gp winner a new Who, gp who's winner be a maiden winner you said alex marquez obviously he's not won a race yet
1: um i'm going to say me to do obviously I, I know he's won a race but there, I, I feel like there's not much expectation for him to win a race so Because I think he will do so well, him and Marquez. I agree. Um, Who who has not many people that have that much
0: faith in second seat Honda? But people who who know and have watched
1: Mir closely enough know. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know how good he is. Uh, Yeah, obviously, he's, he's Murder 3 World Champion. Anyone that's won a Murder 3 World Championship is. Different gravy, you've just got to give them time on the bot bar- on the next bike that they go to. I feel like Dalla Porta gets looked. I love looked, how you've just completely blanked the fact that he's also a Motor GP World Champion. Yeah, 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 But there was a lot uh, Yeah, of, he's um... won that, but he has won a <laughs> Motor 3 World Championship. But he do you know there's a lot of um uh that people were saying that he didn't he didn't win it very well uh, ah yeah, it's a load of rubbish though that. yeah he, he he won it at the end of the day but i feel like in moto three he deserved like he showed his oh, it was so true three yeah and obviously he only won one race in 2020 mm. which was um valencia yeah which was strange but um i'm i'm gonna say i've been doing some thinking and i'm gonna say Ralph fernandez to win a race really yeah Raul maybe Fernandez to win a
0: race, Pekko to not finish in the top
1: three. Alex Marquez, maybe to win a race. <laughs> um, maybe like Mazzano because he's so quick at Mazzano. Or do you remember yeah. that big crash he had?
0: Yeah, right. down but... the
1: back street. Yeah, yeah, God, I remember
0: that because that was like, oh, that's it, Ch-, you know, title done.
1: Yeah, but Rao is quick, like, properly, properly mm. quick. He can and ride a bike. Think-
0: in the last four years, he's rode four different bikes. He's gone from exactly. Moto3, exactly. KTM, to KTM Moto2, to Tech3 and MotoGP, to RNF Aprilia and MotoGP in four years. Yeah. that is When you think about it, when he did his pre-season test for Tech3, 12 months before that, he'd won at Valencia on a yeah. Moto3 bike. Yeah. That's nuts. When you The jump. I mean, it's like Maverick Vinales did it in Moto3. Won the Moto3 title... And 12 months later, he was testing for Suzuki. For yeah, Suzuki.
1: it's nuts. But M- Miller, Miller didn't win the Moto3 Championship, then went and to, went to LCR, Yeah. yeah That's, that, was... that is crazy.
0: Yeah, I mean, Danny Kent actually had the option to do that, but it was the lack of sponsorship that he could bring in that actually I stopped know. him from being able to, which is I know. mad to think that he was going to go to Pramac.
1: Yeah. But, I've heard a lot about that.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there's a um a lot that you could probably tell me about. I mean I've I've heard I've heard a lot of Yeah. Speculation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've heard I've heard a lot of different things from that and a lot of uh, yeah. There's probably best for me to just not say anything on the <laughs> podcast. But um yeah, with that there's been some some great predictions that I've I've um I've loved hearing. I thank you again Eddie for coming on. I really really enjoy having you on and I appreciate the fact that we've had to um had to do this on a Friday night and you know there's a lot better things than listening to me ramble on and talk a lot of crap than th- that you could no, be doing I, on a Friday night but I've, I've I really appreciate you having it. me on. Yeah no I I like I say it's it's always good to have you on and you know to have you on for a third time. I'm amazed that we've not been blocked and reported. <laughs> for, uh, for asking you that many times, I look forward to um, to seeing how you get on in Portimao this week coming up, and um, I look forward to watching you in Portimao. In what is it now, like a week and a half? Two, well, technically yeah. two weeks. Two weeks time, I'll be um, on my way back from Portimao. I've not watched you on the um, on the Friday, so that yeah. should be good. And I appreciate that. Yeah. So anybody. Anyone that's listened to this, if you have enjoyed it and you want to go back and listen to any other episodes, we have done, like I've mentioned, two other episodes with Eddie. We did, we did a, um, we did a race review with you, didn't we? Halfway through the year, you uh, you dropped in with us and did. I think it might have been Silverstone, I believe. If I believe so, right? Yes,
1: because we spoke about Rory and how he would be an underdog if he yes. goes. Yes, yeah, yes. I and remember. you were speaking
0: yeah. about like the because you got in with a certain pass of a sponsor, didn't you? And you were in the IO box or something, if memory serves you right. Oh, yeah, yeah, that is right. <laughs> yeah. See, so I I cannot remember the most simple things I get asked to remember, but I remember that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Remember that I was um, in the hiding box. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah. So if you if you if you have enjoyed listening to me and Eddie, then you can go back and listen to more of me and Eddie. If you are clinically insane and want to do that, um, <laughs> on on all audio uh, platforms, whether that be Spotify, Google Play, um, I'm not sure what or the, what audio platform you're on, but you can go back and listen to that. All episodes will be on there. And if you did enjoy it, leave a review and follow us on Twitter at Red Sector MotoGP.
1: Eddie, do you want to leave us some tags, some ats for your socials? Um yes. My Instagram is Eddie O'Shea Racing and my Facebook is just Eddie O'Shea. Um and I I have a little TikTok account too, which I think is Eddie O'Shea31 or something along them lines. I've so, also yeah. just
0: I've also just started up my um my TikTok again and I've 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 dropped you a follow on there as well. So if you want to follow me on TikTok, I'm just, you GP. Um, put my first TikTok up the other day. So I'm, I'm getting back on TikTok after having my 11,000, 12,000 followers or whatever it was stripped away from me, from Dorna. Really? Um, you know, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't great. But um, everyone li- who listens to this podcast will have heard me talk about that multiple times, but I'll tell you after we've wow. finished. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so if you have enjoyed, like I say, leave a review. We really appreciate it. And with that, keep the throttle pinned.